that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm your host, John Viola, along with my partners in crime, the notorious P.O.B. Patrick O'Boyle and the Belle of Bensonhurst, Miss Rosella Rago. Reunited uh, yet again. It's always good for us to Didn't be together. Didn't Shakespeare say, when shall we three meet again? Lightning, thunder, or instead. Wasn't that Shakespearean? I don't know. It's beautiful, whatever it is. We're not the three musketeers. No, I don't know what we That's are. That's overused. No, the three That's musketeers, overused. since you guys have the uniform. Wait, it's <laughs> not that old with this. Yeah. Why are you obsessed with it's, this uniform? You, so who are the the musketeers that have the oh, uniforms? There's four. Really. There's well, yeah. There's yeah. four. So it's you, Anthony, Nick Fideli, and John. Yeah, we're the four horsemen of the apocalypse with those right. uniforms. So we need jooches. But John, but see, when people. Nick got it, he they didn't tell him. Nick got the summer version. Oh. Yes, he did. It's very cat. No, nicer. see, you know why you're a troublemaker? Because they're going to start Googling this now. We're going to look ridiculous. <laughs> they oh, they're going to say, oh, they look like Captain Crunch. So it's going to further. It's not like they, we deny that. We look know, like Captain John, here's Crunch. A oh, hold on. Idea. Back up. Back here's up. Here's a cute idea. Here here's go. a cute idea. So d- does Gia like princesses yet? She loves princesses. Okay, so one night you got you to gotta show up in the uniform. Ah, uh, is her Prince Charming? Yes. Oh, that's true. I should yes. do that. I don't know yes. if I've said this before. You got to approve the, the uniform use for that. I, I got to go on record because everyone says to me, well, why are you walking around in a Captain Country uniform? Because when John was getting married. Oh, boy. No, this is true. My mother couldn't get over it. My mother said he has to get married in the uniform because my mother thinks you're like Prince William. What's his name? Harry William. <laughs> So, John, Harry or William? I, who knows what I am? No, William is a serious. I think Harry's Harry used to be more fun. Now yeah. with the new wife, I don't think he's no, like no, that she, funny. She, she, she it's like, gotten very serious now. My brother's the serious brother. My brother Michael's the serious. Yeah, yeah, brother. you're more of a Harry than yeah. a William. They're probably true. Yeah. I think Harry Harry has more fun. Harry has. I mean, more he did hair. not now not these very, days, but yeah, before the wife. Yeah, you know, which is a, to the young boys out there, that's a warning. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes your friend gets a wife, and then your friend is not the guy you knew. A woman who tries to separate you from your family, yep. she's not a good boy. Not for you. Okay? Not for you. You know, the, the girls out there trying to Meghan Markle somebody, that's yeah. that's, a, that's a no good. You don't want to move to California. No. But these uniforms are they're well, part, John was part getting of married. our identity I mean, now. I'm on the record. For the Constantine order, John was getting married. John asked me and my brother go in the uniform, but it, I'm like, it's not. I'm like, it doesn't take me a lot to convince me to get the uniform. <laughs> and we got the uniforms because John had the privilege to wear it at his wedding. So me and my brother got them. Nick got them later on, and then Nicole, Mrs. Viola, now put the X. Yes, you did on you wearing the uniform yep. to the ceremony to the wedding. And it was not a cheap uniform. No, so let's uh, not talk about it. Mm. There's a, there's the official price that I tell I tell my mother I paid, and then what? what there's the Soviet propaganda right. price. Thank uh, God my mother <laughs> doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I say if I, I, I could read her social security number, wasn't cheap. And to be fair, I've seen the uniform. I'm one of the. I've never seen it in person, but uh, I can understand why maybe no. He was like a prince. No, I don't understand. Not, uh, I don't understand. No, you know what it is? Because girls like to be the star of the show on their wedding day. Nicole wore a very expensive Zuhair Murad wedding she gown. Looks she very was nice. going to be the star of the yeah, show no matter what. Zuhair, Zuhu? Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> no, but I like that name. That sounds like a that sounds like a, a Middle Eastern airline. Was, I flew Zuhair. <laughs> Zuhair. What's the name of it? Zuhair Murad. I flew on Zuhair Murad. <laughs> We're going to Emirates on Zuhair Murad. There was nothing you could have worn to upstage her. Uh, no, that's true. But like. 
The uniform has been used. We, we wore it to I, Brendan's I, I, wedding. I, I would wear it everywhere I could. We wore it down to Brendan's wedding in <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> what good that Wait, did. so when your brother gets married, are you gonna? Are you guys going to all going to show have, up in that? Auntie's getting, getting married in time, so let's not give, let's not, in case Kathy hears it, let's block that out. <laughs> let's cut that out. Yeah, yeah. It's, let's have a born in a doll. Let's cut that part out. That's agreeable, that uh, one. We, she looks, like she'd, she looks uh, like she'd allow it. She looks like she'd allow it. No, oh. that's true. She would say she's like she's our Jill. Yeah, Aww. she's our Jill. My sister-in-law Jill. Yeah, last night I was, we're we're having dinner and I and I had to do a little story on her and be like, Jill, you're happy here, right? You're okay. She's here. Yeah, yeah, they're here. They're Why didn't you here. bring Canadian Jill with you? Because they they're home, but like then I gotta go to Jersey after I gotta go to Staten Island after this. I don't have to. But How's like, the baby? Oh, he's he's beautiful. He's a he's a little scared of us still. He's getting used to us. <laughs> My brother is a beautiful father, a yeah. wonderful father, but he is annoying. Like uh, sometimes with the whole, he's like, let him come to you. Yeah, you know, like because the baby does this thing where he looks at us and he and he turns his face, and when he turns his face, he's like, give him space. Oh, Aren't they in the you woods know? of Canada? Yeah, you see, they're not even in a tank. Yeah. They're not even like Toronto. They're <laughs> no. not a tank. Canada. No, they're in coconuts. <laughs> co- co- they're in Campbell River, British Columbia. The airport there is called Comox. So I, my mother called it coconuts. It sucked, whatever. But like the kid sees like three people. Could you imagine being going from a that's like almost the, remember the experiment where they uh, somebody left a kid in a room to raise himself basically that's like you're going from the middle of nowhere in a woods with just your parents and like five other humans yeah and you get dropped down into the middle of your immigrant Italian family and in, in but I mean he could have gone to Woodbridge Ontario I mean there's a lot of yeah, Italian yeah. parts of Canada. There. Yeah. He tells us we're all yelling. He's like, stop yelling. Like, lower the volume. Your like, brother's like my brother, legs. Michael. I call my brother Marilyn Munster. Yes. He's like, what, what am I doing with this collection of humans around me? I don't, but that's. Yeah. But my, he's, he's a tent. Last night I made polenta. We let him have the poly. My brother. Are there any oh, Italians? Oh, the the baby po- can't have too much salt or or oil <laughs> or cheese or, or whatever. And I was like, and he, he's like, it's not salty. This. But let's be honest, for those of us born in the 1970s, you spent your whole childhood surrounded by cigarette smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Secondhand smoke. Right. Uh, up to 3 o'clock. We, we had a much more rough and tumble life no, the, than oh, kids today. We couldn't go out to dinner because Man, it interfered with his bedtime. No, that's, you know, uh, like with, falling asleep in the car going home 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when you left somebody's house or somebody's party. Yeah. And we survived. Absolutely. Like, we're better. We're stronger. What are you going to do? We have no allergies. Because so, it made, it made, I think it made people paranoid of child rearing because there's so many rules today. My yeah, mother goes, we never had books. Yeah. You read this book, you can't have this. You read that book, you can't drink this. But that's you, my and, theory and about, too much. You, you always taught, you taught me something in one of your theories. I thought was very important and actually speaks to what we're doing today. The idea that in the old days when we all lived in one neighborhood with people we were, you know, in a, in a kinship clan with or your family in the same building, like um, all of us experienced who's upstairs, who's downstairs, you know, you raised kids collectively. You learned from watching your older cousins or siblings do it. And then you learned from the aunts and uncles and your grandparents were there for advice. So everything was passed on through tradition, through through observation and osmosis. And then all of a sudden when we all left and went out into these different places, most of which were areas where you were living with people you had zero cultural relationship to or zero prior knowledge of, and they were in the same point in their lives, right? They were, they were the, the parents with young kids, whatever. You start having to turn to other resources to learn how to do this stuff because you're not around it. You don't grow up around it. Well, so, TV ruined us. Yeah. Because we watched the Cleavers and we thought we had to be them. Yeah. and, and well, that, that was not us. And then you get these parents who are, you know, like Nicole said to me the other night, 
Now, our baby's two and a half. And uh, she said, you know, I don't even remember how much formula I used to give her when she was a baby. Like, God spares, we have another kid. We got to learn it all over again. But that's okay because our family's down the street and everybody, you know, it's like you don't have to turn to books. But nowadays, it's a book-driven idea of how to rear a kid. And it's uh, it's a little frightening for people, I think. Whereas I think when you lived together and had everybody on top of each other. Well, it, people got to sell books. No, but so they got to like, say you can't. They have to tell you, you don't know how to raise a kid, but we do. We do the research. And yeah. now you have to buy or this series and that series yeah. and that. I, I mean, listen, everybody's going to say, I don't have a kid, so then I can, they can come out and say, I don't know. But but it's like we used from to... From outside observation. We used to say kids don't come with instructions. Now they do. <laughs> yes, that's now they the do. thing. And that's like the my point. brother's yeah. read every book, and he's yeah. like, no, you don't want to do this because then that's going to cause this, this, and that. Like, you know, you don't want to like give him some space if he's he's feeling shy. My mother used to just give us to anybody. Oh, you kidding me? And if me? we cried, it was our problem. Like, God forbid the kids are uncomfortable for three seconds today. I had a dear family friend tell me when we found out we were having a girl... And he meant so well. I, guys, he's a tough knockaround guy. He's a great guy. But he's like, listen, I had this great book uh, about strong dads raise strong daughters or something. And he's like, you know, that it's important that the daughter knows how her dad. Lo-. I said, uh, my daughter's gonna know she that I love her because I'm gonna kiss on her every day, mush, be up her ass. I'm, I'm like, I'm on top of the kid like a, a monkey in a zoo. I'm, I'm, you know, hugging her, kissing her, cleaning out her nose. Of course, the kid knows I love her. I don't need a book to show, teach me how to show my kid. And the best advice I got was from a dear uh, Sicilian-American friend in New Orleans, my friend Daryl Cortello, who said to me, uh, whose daughter is also Giovanna, by the way, was like 20-something. And he said, the only advice I could give you is look your kid in the eye every day and make that connection from the day they're born and tell them how much you love them. And I do that every day. That's it. That's that's love. And uh, you yeah. know what? You do that. You don't do it. All the kids are going to get therapy anyway. <laughs> it really doesn't <laughs> matter. So I, I mean, you know. See, but can I, can I tell you something scientifically? Because one of my objectives with this podcast is that we're painted in the – because I have my accent and I speak the way I do, to parts of America, I'm, I'm intrinsically stupid, right? Because they judge on that. My – argument against these things is based in this fact. I lived with my grandmother my entire life. My grandmother died of a heart attack at 75. Right? She was in good shape. She just dropped dead one day on me. I am convinced it was from the medical advice of the 80s. Right? Could very well be. Seed oils mm-hmm. and margarine. Yeah. And if you go back, you know, so much stuff now. Meat and protein was the enemy and people had very high carb diets. Right? So... If you look how nutritional advice has changed over time, so now people are going back to now lard is good and, mm. and beef broth and all this other stuff and bone broth. And so my thing is that just because a doctor comes out and says today that this is correct, this is gospel, he comes out 10 years later and says this is not correct, right? So here we go. Coffee was good. I mean, it's the same thing you've heard. Yeah, you don't have to come here to hear this. Chocolate's good and coffee's good and chocolate's bad and coffee's bad and this grain is good. And that, now whole wheat, now, now they're saying whole wheat is not good for you. <laughs> Because it brings up your guys. All these stuff. My thing is this: is like, you know, you can you can you can buy onto this. But I think looking back now to the '80s, you know, I had two cousins that died of lung cancer, very anti-cigarette, right? And what happened in the '50s? Oh, doctors recommend nine out of ten doctors smoke Chesterfield. Nine out of ten doctors smoke Chesterfield. They used to prescribe cigarettes to pregnant women to help with constipation. Wow. Well, think about the. I finished watching The Crown, and I was thinking about the king. Who was he? Edward the. 
No, not Edwards. Elizabeth's George, father? Yeah, Elizabeth's George father. Six. George the yeah. Sixth. The guy had a stutter. They give him cigarettes. He, they, they removed half his lung, and he's still smoking cigarettes. The doctor smoked That family had terrible lung cancer. Sure. Well, they, they smoked like, I mean, they were, they smoked like it was an Olympic sport. They did. They, they were. Do you want to hear a funny the, story the about sister, that family? Aunts, the yes, sister, gross. Margaret, yeah, whatever. They, she, she, I think, yeah. I don't know. It was one of her food groups. She I had mean, part of a lung removed, too. Yeah, but and she died young because yeah. they, and they drank. She all they did was young. drink yeah. scotch and smoke cigarettes. Yeah, I don't think they ate. <laughs> but hold on a minute. <laughs> they had no We're making fun bad. of them. The queen made it to what ninety six, and the husband made it to a hundred. The, the mother one, was hundred one. She was anti cigarette, I think, because yeah. she saw her father die from it. And yeah. I think so. Yeah. But do you want to hear something interesting? Her mother, the queen mother, who technically should have been the dowager queen, but she didn't like that title. No, you're wrong. She was. She was both the dowager queen and the queen mother because it was the only time. That living oh, you're dowager right, John. queen you had and a two queen. Dowages, yep. correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maya Culpa, Maya no, Culpa. No, no, not because you had oh, two, right. but she was also the mother of the regnant queen. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, it was a complicated, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't for that long because the, the dowager, I mean, that was only for like nine months because then Queen, no, queen she, Mary, yeah. Mary died right, that di- right, before right after the coronation. After the coronation. She lived through the coronation. Mary, the grandmother. But see then, how much you get here. You get yeah. tanning <laughs> advice, and dietary mom, advice. But here, how to fry bacala. You got the gumar in the in the palace now. Yeah, you got the, <laughs> right. the, it's a whole new world. You got Meghan Markle. You know who's, uh, the, who's the gumar in the palace? The queen of England. Camilla. Oh, she's a gumad. That's right. Yeah. I didn't think the about gu- that. The gumad became the, gumad. the queen. The gumad became the queen. Yeah, it's a whole that's new a world. N- Can you do that she t-shirt? Gave, she gave <laughs> the gumad became the queen. Camilla gave hope to gumads everywhere. All right? That's she so she, she walked so they could all run. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Camilla so walked so all the gumads could run one day. That's so true. You know, it's so, so funny. So just, I'll, yeah. I'll, to finish my fact. Yeah, go ahead. Your fact. The queen mother remembered, I think it was 1913, she was born 1900. Yeah. Being at, because she came from a well to do noble family in yeah. Scotland, being at a dinner and one of the women lighted up a cigarette. And that was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Scandalous at the time. For women to smoke. Yeah, right. Yeah. The eve of World War I, women still couldn't smoke. She's like, once that happened, it's like, oh, you know, it all kind of went, it all kind of went downhill after yeah. that. You know, it's so interesting you talk about how we stumble onto these topics, like, uh, the, British royal family. But, you know, we're talking about raising kids. We're talking about the, this idea of, the monarchy, hereditary principle, right? And studies show that raising a kid that's aware of their background, of their ancestry, their genealogy, of where they come from, their culture, makes for a happier, healthier kid. Now, I don't know anything about those studies, but they're there. I got, you know, I got, I got proof in the, in the paperwork. And uh, I think that's been a great part of our platform here is people who are pursuing their genealogy. And it's been a game changer in that people can use spit test DNA and all of these websites and, you know, all these databases. But our guest today, she's been doing this from long before there was uh, websites and DNA testing. And Pat, why don't you introduce our guest? We have here Maria Carparelli, who is the president of the Italian Genealogy Society of New Jersey. That was formerly called Pointers in Person, Northern New Jersey chapter. So... The reason why I have Maria here today is I realize now in the classroom, I have students now, college-age students, who were born after September 11th, mm-hmm. right? So it's the first time I ent- – I remember I had a professor in college, Pat Kennedy, goes, I can't believe none of you kids today remember the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. So that's in 1993, which is 30 years later. He said, oh, there's no one – none of you kids, you were all born after the Kennedy assassination. So now our generation is you were born after September 11th, right? But there's also other hallmarks um, – I often say that I think that there's no one of this century 
that saw so much change within their lifetime that happened quickly as my college years, right? So I graduated high school in 1993. I graduated college in 1997. We started college. Everyone's using typewriters. And Microsoft Office comes out my senior year, the second semester of my senior year. Of high school. Of high, oh, no, I'm sorry, of, of college. Of college. college. Wow. So remember, I'm the first, uh, I was the first class in Seton Hall to get email Yeah. in the fall of 1993. And the reason I bring it up is that the internet, the cell phone, computers that actually did things, GPS, the smartphone even, you know, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, that's all part of the things that have changed my life in my adult years. Yeah. And you know, and one and, and another thing is like these major online genealogy platforms yeah. that give you access to things. And you know, John and I, you know, it's my famous borrow trick. We meet somebody in the Italian American world. They don't know where their family's from in Italy. I asked them two or three questions. I did somebody under two minutes, and John saw this. Sure did. And I'll say, where are you from in Italy? And where do I do? I go on the World War One military records, because what happened was in the fall of 1917, they had this major. Um, you had to sign. You had to fill out a draft card, basically. So no matter, even if you were handicapped or if you come, you had dependents or you were a new immigrant, every, all, the, all the adult men had to fill out a draft card. And the majority of those draft cards asked, where were you born? As country, province, the like. And, and the immigrants, the people who came during the Great Migration, all those men put down the towns that were from in Italy. And if you go on the sites that have the World War I records, it's very easy to find out where people came from in Italy. But the reason I bring this up is that Maria... And I are from a time when those records, there was no internet. There was no way to access them, but to access them in person. Yeah. Right? So you had to travel to New York or travel to Washington, travel to Salt Lake City. And there were pioneers in Italian-American genealogy, and Maria and Pointers were one of them. So I want to bring her on to talk about how much genealogy research has changed for Italian-Americans and to give a lot of the kids out there how much easier it is today than it was for Maria and her valiant band of pioneers. I hate to say back in the old days, but back in the old days. (laughs) So welcome. You're very, very welcome here. Thanks very much for having me on your podcast. And you're absolutely right. It was a lot different when I first started this. We uh, originally had uh, an organization called Point, and it stands for Pursuing Our Italian Names Together. That's cool. And it was started by uh, Dr. Thomas Militello. This is going way, way, way back. And what we used to do, uh, he used to uh, have uh, this yearly collection of names and addresses of people that were researching the same area, the same names, as you. And a lot of times you got in touch with people and you found out they were distant cousins, you shared your research, and this was one way of communicating. But of course, this all came through snail mail. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wow. So it's a catalog. For those of you who can't see it out there in podcast land, it's like a telephone book. Yeah. Yeah. So what you would look up. That came out annually. An annual telephone book, and it it would catalog people researching their ancestors with their contact info. Yeah. And then you would get your pen and paper out and then write them a letter yeah. saying, I saw your name 
in pointers in your research in such and such family from such and such place in Italy, and this is my ancestor. That's pretty Do you amazing. think we're related? I mean, this is just, I mean, this is for the archive. This is absolutely amazing. And to me, it's really embraces, and this is just huge, all the names that are in here. This embraces how dedicated the early pioneers of Italian-American genealogy were to the cause. Well, there was more to it than that. He also published a quarterly magazine. Oh, wow. And in the magazine, people would submit articles about their research. And uh, from this, they would tell you what areas you're researching. And people would write to you. And people sent me tons of stuff. Uh, a gentleman from Petrolia Satana from my Sicilian side sent me an old map of the city. And we had relatives in common, so we obviously were distant cousins. But this is all through the mail. Yeah. And some of it was from email, because this was the early days of email. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you learned a tremendous amount from articles from people who already had done research. Yeah. And you learned where to go to do your research, because you had to do all of this in person back then. Because there were very, very few sites on, it was the beginning of the internet. There were very, very few sites that were dedicated to genealogy and much less Italian genealogy that's so specific. The thing that I find interesting about this is it's like the person who can still fix the mechanics of a car, right? Like there's so many young kids who would open up the hood of their engine and have absolutely no idea what they're looking at. And then there's people of, you know, my generation and, and older who could still mechanically fix a car and it was a taken for granted thing. And so it becomes a hybrid. So what you offer here is a lot of the kind of how-to that, frankly, if we take for granted that the, the Internet will do it, but there's a lot of skill set here that still needs to be passed there on. There is a skill set. Yeah. And one of them is you can't just go on the Internet and say, oh, there's the name, that's a relative. Yeah, of course. According to Italian naming traditions, you know how many Italians have the same freaking name? Oh, I mean, listen. How do you know it's your family? You don't well, know. Well, that's how we came up. Uh, that's how we came up with nicknames. Right. Because you're in Italian in Italy. There's oh, six nicknames. first names. <laughs> there's six last names. Yep. And everyone's a combination of those. So people got the soprenome. They got a, the, the branch of the family got a nickname. The person themselves got a nickname. And that was how you were able to differentiate a town where everybody's got the same name. Well, because families used to be much bigger. So, you know, you'd have five vetoes on one side, yep. five vetoes on another, the same last name. Well, my, my dad, my dad's Vinny Black. His cousin with red hair is Vinny Red. His, the younger Vinny is Vinny Jr., even though he's not a junior. He's his name after his grandfather. The oldest cousin is named James because they called my great-grandfather Vincenzo Jimmy, so they named him Jimmy as his nick. After, I mean, it's just like it's, you know, everybody has one, but they've got, Six or seven. You know, different a, lot, names. a lot of things people don't realize when they do their research is also in the south of Italy, the tradition was if a child died, the next child got the same name. So you right. were named <laughs> after the child who died. So my grandfather had a brother who died as a young child who died, I think, before my grandfather was born. So my grandfather took his name. So my grandfather, who was who bore the name of his paternal grandfather, is not the firstborn son. He's later in the litter, mm. but he was named for his older brother who died. So you have a family with the exact same mother, the exact same father, two sons yeah. with the exact same name. That's right. You know, I'm looking at this book, right? Has anybody digitized any of these things, or they're just in an archive somewhere? Uh, I really don't know if any of this was digitized. I couldn't throw the, uh, these books out. I, I saved all I'm of them. I'm glad you did. Be because uh, the articles, again, here's my family. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, how could you, uh, you can't throw that I c- out? I couldn't throw this one out. But the uh, they contain so many wonderful articles that give you so much good information on how to research your tree and what to do if you hit a snag, if you hit a dead end, or what you do. Uh, I mean, the, the, what you have to do when you're researching, you have to start with what you know. Yeah. You start with yourself, your name, place of birth, date of birth. Then your parents, name, place of birth, date of birth. Then their parents. And you go back one generation at a time. But you start with what you know. You don't start with 300 years ago right. because you don't know if that's your family. Yeah. It's, and, it's yeah, hard. It, it is. And, and what happened to me, uh, I was able to, there's a lot of places that I used to go to do my research. And one was the Family History Center, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, let me I ask you a question. You, yeah. Not to take an aside here, but yeah. I've heard a million reasons why. Why have the Mormons got ancestry and uh, uh, genealogy for all of us. It's something about their theology, right? Exactly. It's exactly right. Uh, They have the belief that when they die, they're going to meet all of their ancestors. So they damn well better know who they are. So what they have done is they've made part of their religion researching their family tree. So they know who everyone is when they cross the bridge. So ostensibly they're doing our research in case we convert. But you know what? Think about this a second. No, well, they also have a system where you can baptize a dead relative of Mormon. Oh, wow. So they kind of have a proxy baptism. Oh, that's interesting. So they have a po- proxy baptism, and they take the name of the ancestor, and they baptize them in their name, and I guess that makes them Mormons. Right. Um, where the heck was I going with this? You know, but they have millions of records that they've uh, uh, filmed. And now they're digitizing them, and they're all in Salt Lake City, Utah. But when I first started my research, obviously I wasn't going to Utah, and none of this was on the Internet. So I had to go to a local family history center, and I would tell them what I was looking for, and they would send to Utah for the microfilm. Wow. And then I would have to go there when the microfilm came in, and I would rent the microfilm, and they would put it in the microfilm reader, and I would have to painstakingly go through each thing on the microfilm. Because you couldn't just jump to it because yeah. you didn't know where it was. Yeah, that's amazing. And this is how you did your research back then. Now all you do is you type in the name on the internet and boom, up it comes. But there's still a lot of stuff that's not digitized. Yeah, yeah. They're starting to digitize a lot more. They haven't digitized all the records from the Family History Center. But that is the primary source of where to go to get the records from Italy because you're not going to take a trip to Italy right. unless you're very, very lucky. Right. And the Italian websites are inconsistent, I must say. I mean, they're doing better, but... You know, you have the ones that you use, and uh, you've turned me on to using. And some some regions have records, some regions don't. It's it's. Uh... Yeah, and this this was the problem that I encountered. Uh, I was very uh, lucky that I was able to get records for my mother's side, but my father's side there was the big gap between the people that I knew and what I knew, and the people uh, and the films that were available. So I wrote to Italy, and of course, when you write to Italy. You can't do it in English. Right, yeah, sure. But uh, this book and other sources, this book by Trafford Cole has a, um, a sample a sample letter that you could fill in the blanks with what you're looking for. And there's also uh, sources on the Internet that will give a sample letter in Italian. So I wrote to Italy, and I didn't know what was going to happen because a lot of people said, oh, write to Italy, and, you know, you're never going to hear from them again. And don't send a check. I sent, I, I wrote to two places in Italy to two different offices, and I put a $10 bill in each of the envelopes. And I'm waiting and waiting. I said, all right, you know, maybe I'm lucky. Maybe something will come out of it. Well, I was pleasantly surprised. They sent me this letter. What year is this? This is, okay, 1995. Wow. They sent me this letter, 
they gave me a family tree. That's hand-drawn. Hand-drawn family tree. very neatly, by the way. Very beautifully drawn. Yeah. And they put my grandfather, my grandmother, and my my aunt and everybody in here. And this filled the gaps in for me so I could use the the records at the Family History Center. But there's more. That that wasn't it. In Fasano, apparently the Carparelli family were builders. And there was a street in Fasano that I'd heard about, Via Carparelli. I says, how is that street named Via Carparelli? So I asked them that in my letter. They sent me a two-page dissertation Aww. on Via Carparelli. So of course, beautiful. it's all in Italian. Yeah. They gave me this book on the city, and they sent me back my $20. Ah, that's so that's nice. That's a nice... It, it that's was a nice... That's one Italy's at its best. Yeah, that's nice. Class, class, class. class all the way. The original. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I think I have in here the, uh, the records that they sent me. They're called Estrati. Yeah, the extracts. Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful that they that's did that. The what a what a kind. Isn't that isn't that amazing? I sent them a thank you note. I didn't know what to do for them, so I I brought a whole bunch of postcards from New York City, and I Aww. and I Aww. sent them all. You know, I said thank you so much. Have you been in touch with them since? No. Have you ever gone there? No. My cousin did. My cousin. When are you gonna to go? Visit. I don't know yet. I don't know. You should go like next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. Until you go there. Until you're on Via Carparelli, there's one more mountain in your journey you have yet to make. Well, my cousin and his son went, and he took a picture, and he sent it to me from Via Carparelli. This season, gather together and connect to Italy with Media Set Italia. After holiday shopping or the big meal, turn on the TV and catch the latest and greatest from Italy's top channels, Canale 5, Italia 1, and Rete 4 on Media Set Italia including a new season of the can't-miss talent show Amici, brand-new current events program E Sempre Carta Bianca with Bianca Berlinger, new episodes of the quiz show Caduta Libera with everyone's favorite host, Jerry Scotti, plus brand-new dramas and holiday specials. There's so much to be thankful for in Media Set Italia, so call your local television provider today and ask for the channel. You know, I had this conversation with my grandparents yesterday where I spent some time with them, and my grandmother's family was really the the biggest mystery for us. My dad's side, we had a lot of the information. We had relatives there that we were in touch with. My mom's father, my grandfather's Sicilian family, we knew. His cousins, it was all his first cousins. We went to visit them. My grandma's side, we didn't know in, in Puglia. And uh, we went, this is when I first started dating my wife, so it's going to be 15 years ago almost, and we all went and... All we knew was the church where her father had been baptized and that was closed for renovation and the feast was coming up and the priest was taken and there was all these different things. And, and thank goodness the people in the commune took interest in us and they kind of led us around the town and they led us to my grandmother's last living relatives in this town. And those relatives took us to the house that my great-grandfather was born in and his father owned and it had his initials on it. Everybody in the, in the I don't know, Ro, if they do this by you, in Mola, but in Palo del Cole, all the homes have like a keystone over the arch and the door, and it's got like some design on it, and that like tells you who built and owned the house. And this one was Vito Adamo, and it was a VA that was the on the keystone for his house. But every house had this. You guys have that? I think we have something like it. I'd have to pay attention. I don't think I've ever quite paid attention. It was to very it. fascinating to me. It really interested me because every house had it, and they had different symbols and things. And but uh, so my grandma about that yesterday. This idea like. You walked up and she got to see 
her grandfather's initials on the house and uh, touched the house that you know her father was born in. It, it's a, to me, it's a big part of why you do this research, right? To, to it's nice to know. It's great for the kids to know, but it's also just amazing to go back there and, and experience it. It's so powerful. Yeah, it was. My cousin wanted to do this for a very long time, and he was fortunate uh, that he uh, had the opportunity. He took his son, and uh, in fact, they're they're pretty big on genealogy. And what we're trying to do now is dual citizenship. Yeah, hey, uh, we know that that dance. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing that dance for a long time, but it's a yeah, great pursuit, and yeah. you have to have the genealogy to do it. So yeah, it's right, well right. well worth it. Right. You want to hear something interesting? Through the online portal. Within the last week or two, 10 days, it's, I always say it's the hand of God. I always think that these ancestors are on the other side. They know you want to find them. They want to be found. Yeah, they're moving you like chess I, A guy in Argentina has created this huge, I don't know how to call it, like a huge family tree for Solerian. It's just, it's just monstrous. And he has, I had gotten to one branch on my grandfather's side to maybe the mid-1700s. He had them all the way back to the mid-1600s. Wow. Now, a lot of stuff online is inaccurate, or people have trees, and they put stuff in, they just fine. But this guy's was so well done. I've been communicating with him in Argentina. It fits like a puzzle piece. Yeah. He had stuff there. Now, he had, he, he, I guess he's trying to build this massive tree, and, he, and I just haven't had the time. He wanted to ask me genealogy questions, so he finishes off maybe in the mid 1800s, and he's asking me what happened after this. But he had information. He brought me back to um, the mid-1600s. Now, what shocked me was Sant'Angela Fazinella, which is a town in, in the Cilento. I now see back in like 1600, 1620, I had an ancestor from there. Yeah. That's another trip I have to make, right? Because I've done all this ancestry, and I find like Rochino, town Seramazzano. I had ancestors there in the 1700s. Yeah. Right, and no one in my family, like my grandparents, would have no idea. Right, so when Pat and John go on Pat and John's adventures, I want to see all these places. Yeah, because I was reading about a lot, a lot of fascinating. I, I never, ever in a million years would have thought Sant'Angelo Fazinello that I had ancestry from. But that, you know, you know, I had ancestors walking around when Jesus was in grammar school. You know, that's how far. <laughs> right, you think about we it. All you know, we had ancestors. You know, oh, that Julius Caesar, he's a troublemaker. Like, <laughs> you know, and I just think it's so fascinating. But you know, one thing that comes from that when you're with somebody like Maria who shares his passion, because most of my family, my mother's like, ah, oh, I could tell my mother I found out we descended from Charlemagne. She had no matter, interest. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Like, why do you waste your time on this? Right. right? And my grandmother's going to me, why do you care about dead people? Everybody's dead, dead, dead. Why do you worry about all this stuff? <laughs> oh, no. And I find that in our families, and th- th- probably ninety percent of our listeners get this. You're the one who cares, and that's yeah. why you listen. Yeah. So our therapy couches, we're the one that care. And I find something, I'm like, you'll never guess what I found. They go, oh, that's nice. Yeah. You know, that that's interesting. Oh, you know. You're never a hero in your home country, Pat. Did. No. Didn't they say that? You're never a prophet in Jesus? You're never, never a prophet, prophet in your, own, country, in your yeah. own country? So, Marielle, I want to ask you, in those early days, how did you guys find each other? And what was the camaraderie you had in Pointers that you were all researching this together in those days before the internet? Well, what had happened was uh, I, I just got an interest in it. And I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. And uh, I started, I found out about uh, the Family History Center. And that's where I met uh, Anita. And where is that Family History Center? I, I, this, they're all over. Uh, it's a branch. I used the one in Caldwell. There's one in Caldwell, uh, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, but there's, they're, they're all over. There's regional uh, branches all over. There's one in Bergen County. I think it's in Emerson. Uh, but uh, I went to the Family History Center and I became acquainted with Anita Zelensky. 
who probably knows more about genealogy than anybody I know. And she was talking about it, and she gave me a lot of information as to where to go for research, what to do, how to do it, and so forth and so on. And she was in the process of starting a local chapter of Point. And, of course, she got people who were interested from <clears throat> the Family History Center, and we all uh, convened. She was the first president of, of Point, of Pointers in person of the, of the New Jersey chapter. I was the second, and I'm still president because nobody else wants to do it. We know <laughs> that feeling, yeah. <laughs> but, Somebody's got to hold the bag. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we stuck together because we had this common interest in, in learning about our research of, of, of our ancestry and um, sharing what we knew. And uh, that's pretty much what we did, where we would meet, and we still do this, where we have people coming to explain to us different methods of research, different sources of research, and uh, how to do it. But, uh, but back then, with, uh, with very little was done on the internet. I had to go to um, state archives. Uh, tell them, because I did that stuff too in the 90s, and tell them what a, how harass, har harassing... What a difficult job it was to get to go to look it's at all that stuff. It's unbelievable. I mean, you have to make an appointment. I went to the one in New York City. It's uh, one bowling green. I think it's still there. And uh, you have to go in, and you tell them what you're looking for, and then they have to go find it. And, of course, it's not on the Internet. It's on microfilm. Yeah. That's okay. in the, back in those days. Back in those days. Yeah. It was on microfilm. So you give the, they're given this film, and you have to look through the whole thing. You have to go through it a page at a time, yeah. and sometimes it takes hours. Yeah. You kind of miss it, though. Do you ever kind of miss it? Um, yes and no. Uh, there is yes something about no. there is something about scrolling. This is like my eBay obsession with the Italian. Well, the thing with the scrolling is sometimes you find something you weren't looking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. It's like reading a newspaper, right? Yeah, I mean, you're looking, looking, looking for something. They say, "Oh, wait a minute, yeah. that's another one of my relatives, yep, exactly. and it's on this film." Yeah. If you Google, you're only going to get the one you're looking yeah, exactly. for. Exactly, it limits everything. Yeah. And I found a lot of uh, second and third cousins that way. I can believe it, yeah. I totally share that because once in the 90s, I took the trip to Bowling Green mm -hmm. to that office. It was, I guess it was a branch of the United States Archives. It's, it is a branch of the United States and Archives. And it was so much, you had to get the microfilm and go through every single Every single thing. So one little bit of information could take you multiple trips to find, multiple days yeah. to find. And I remember... Thinking to myself, it was a Saturday. I was spending the whole day in the National Archives. And I thought to myself, this, I'm really whacked. Because everybody's <laughs> having fun. You know, everybody's in their 20s having fun. And I'm spending my days in the National Archives flipping through. And then also we discussed that then you had to go through like the 1915 New Jersey State Census. Oh, which yeah. is such a well, gem. Yeah, yeah, you know where's another, uh, another great location that I went to? Uh, the Newark Public Library on the fourth floor. They have the New Jersey Room. And they have all records pertaining to New Jersey. I've hmm. spent hours and hours and hours there. And people don't even know about this resource. Yeah. Resource. Uh, the other other resource that has like census records and things. New Jersey's the Morristown Library. Mm, really. But uh, the Newark Library, everything New Jersey. You got your federal census. You got your state census. You got city directories. Tons and tons of information. And those are really great sources of information. Uh, a city directory. A, a census will tell you who lived where, who yeah. lived with the family, yeah. and then you could get. Names. I mean, some of the stuff isn't accurate. You have to be very careful, especially on census records. Yeah. Because with the census record, the person taking the census was uh, uh, American. Uh, right. Yes. And, you and can he's notice. interviewing. He's interviewing an Italian. So if the Italian has an accent, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. They got things spelled wrong. They don't. Uh, there's misspellings, maybe wrong dates, and so forth. 
but it still gives you an idea. Uh, I mean, other other things you have to look for. I mean, I've gone to uh, city halls to get birth records, death records, marriage records. And if you get those records, I mean, which you could get online now, you go back another generation. If you right. get your father's birth record, depending, of course, who filled it out and what right. they knew. Because sometimes the person filling it out doesn't know anything. Right. But sometimes you get lucky and you get the correct information. But on a birth record, uh, you, you will have the parent's name and... You know, say you got your, your, your parents' birth record, you would have your grandparents. Right. And then you go back with more names. Yeah. And you go back and go back and go back. I remember driving to the New Jersey State Archives in Trenton in a pre-GPS world. So I had a map out how to get there. Yeah. You know, with a paper map beside <laughs> you, right? Get down there, then get into the office, then sit on microfilm all day long. But those days... When you found something, it was like Eureka because you had put so much time and effort exactly. and money into it. Exactly. And, you know, you're like, wow. you like, you know, you, you were able to find something and then you went home and then you had a plan for your next trip to find the next piece of information. It's amazing now, like, you know, I remember there, there used to be the CD-ROM family tree maker, right? It was like a thing you could plug in. It was a, right, no, no, no websites existed. The arbitrage, I guess, in technology, right? The amazing thing is, you know, for those who are unaware, in the 70s, I forget, 73, 77, major fire in St. Louis at the uh, Department of the Army, I guess, facility for military records. Uh, much of the World War II records have been destroyed in the U.S. in this in this five-alarm fire. But they weren't abandoned. They were saved. And now, 40-something years later, we have the technology to read a lot of these burnt documents, which is amazing. So people are, if you make a request through the, I guess it's the National Archive, I can't remember. You can potentially find records that you might not have believed were there, right, for your your, your family's World War II service. That's amazing. So, you know, now uh, charred scrolls that look like uh, charcoal logs from Herculaneum and Pompeii are being scanned and read, and, and they don't even have to unroll them. I mean, that's how far the technology has come, and AI is intuitive, and it reads symbols. It's just amazing what we've been able to do. So... There's so much that the technology is doing that we never would have dreamed. But at the same time, we can't forget that the old physical analog resource that we had, like I have a very hard time finding the immigration from my grandfather's Sicilian side. I can I cannot find in any resource the immigration document. And I ended up going on eBay and I've been buying, as, as I find them, these giant green volumes of like when the Italians came to America from the 80s, I think. And it's just basically a typed out database of every year every italian name that they could pull out awesome. of yeah and and there's 30 something volumes of them but they're not digitized anywhere so somebody uh, did you, all this work do you know the year he came over I, we think it's I, 1891 1893 did he come to ellis island i don't know go to ellis type in his name i have been, you I've have been, been? Yeah. You tried it tried everything i i've tried as many resources as i can wow. i think one of the key problems was maybe he came over illegally who knows oh, who knows misspellings exactly. misspellings too uh, oh exactly and his last name is D, we say D'Angelo or D'Angelo in Italy, so D apostrophe A N G E L O. You know how many opportunities for that to yeah. be screwed up there are. So, but my point is, I've been buying these books, and you know we have a responsibility to collect these resources and digitize them too. Because if we're going to help people do this kind of stuff, they have to be aware that what's out there online, first of all, is a lot to sort through. Secondly, a lot of stuff is now advertising services and it's very hard to find stuff that kind of gets put to the bottom of the list through search engine optimization and not all these resources there's a lot of resources out there for us that haven't made the leap online yet and it's our job to 
find people like you to guide us to the books that you've brought today and these kind of things and figure out how do we make them available again to more people because they're so important. You want to know something right now? Because I have to multitask. John knows this. So when I'm here recording, um, I'm always flipping through stuff and yeah. I'm always playing. So I have in front of me right here the Pointer's Annual Directory. And because I got to multitask, I found out doing research online that my grandmother's Pano di Sorrento, I guess it would have been her second great-grandfather. Her, as it would have been her, her great-grandfather. When he was born in 1790, he was not from Piano di Sorrento. He was from Vico Quenza, which is the next town over, mm. right? Um, and I was shocked by that. My grandmother would have had no idea. And now, now I knew he was from Vico Quenza. I didn't know where. And now I'm flipping through pointers. And I said, okay, I find the name Lardaro, L-A-R-D-A-R-O. And I find that there's somebody here in 2000 researching Lardaro from Pacagnano, I think is the name, and it's a frazione of Viquequenza. How about that? So I might have just answered. Flip it through a magazine. I might have a just found out old because we know, um, like I said, my grandmother's side, we, we were fruit and vegetable grocers when we came here, right? So my grandfather and my grandmother both in the fruit and vegetable business. Um, but my grandmother's maternal family all the way back were butter makers and mozzarella makers, right? Because Piano di Sorrento, the upper part of that was the uh, Agerolo, that was the, the Wisconsin of, um, of, of Campania, of that part of Naples, that area. And I knew that his father had come from that industry. So I knew when they left Vica Quenza that they were mozzarella makers in Vica Quenza and uh, butter makers, rather. And I had just assumed that they had found another neighboring, because remember, that part of Piano di Sorrento borders Vica Quenza. And I just think, son of a gun. Imagine I just it, found this hat. Yeah, this is. But again, this is like this Son is the. This is the I gotta find. You think this guy's still? Should we call him right now? Where's his phone? <laughs> Twenty-three <number>? years <laughs> later. Oh, you don't even know if he's still alive. <laughs> You're gonna come out of my podcast. It's <laughs> worth a shot. You never know what God puts in your way, right? That, I mean, yeah. in your path. But that's the point. These things should be digitized, and they should have a home online and. Tell the audience how they can find what you're doing here in New Jersey and, and connect to you and maybe connect to some resources. Well, you can come to one of our meetings, first of all. Our next meeting is the first Saturday of uh, February. Uh, it's going to be a member exchange of information, so there should be a lot of inf interesting... You're a fun crowd. You're a fun yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to go? Of course. Great. And, and you know, uh, people come and they tell their stories about their research, and, you know, you, you pick up uh, a lot of information. And a lot of times people who have questions can ask questions because quite a few of our members are, are extremely knowledgeable mm. uh, as to where to go for research. But more knowledgeable than Paddle Boyle? Sure, but you got to build. You got to understand. <laughs> See, but this is what you, don't, what you get with this is that. Paddle Boyle is the I Ching. <laughs> What's a hope? He's the great and powerful What's Oz. What's an I Ching? The great and powerful Oz. What's the an, I Ching was a is a is a, a an Asian form of divination. Right. With the I Ching. Who comes up with this? The I Ching. Oh, that's Asian with the coins, on. right? No, with the yeah, coins. With the coins. Yeah. No, the I Ching is a book. I'm a so coin. So you throw the coins. Uh, th uh, six times you six throw the coins, throw and the then coins. you look to see where the lines yeah, are, and, and then you look it up, and it gives you your. It corresponds to to a thing in the book that tells you what to, the it, like the I Ching Fortune always telling. knows what to yeah. do, has the answer. Where do you get this stuff? I never heard of this. It's interesting. I, I, That's I, been my around mother's forever. friend Tavia was an Italian, the crazy Italian lady from Florence who used to do the I Ching. I swear to God. You're the top. That's what it is. You're you're the eye. You know, Ro. No, honestly, Ro. nobody knows this stuff like Ro. No, she knows all this stuff. Wow, I never I Ching. 
The I Ching. Yeah. yeah, it's been around forever. Doesn't it sound like a I got I Ching, I Ching coins? And you go in the book and you look in the book and it, and it tells you it tells you you know the the point yeah. it's a metaphor, Patrick. The I Ching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never knew. <laughs> it's a but, metaphor. But the I Ching the always has the answer. And so but do Pat you. Pat has all the answers. The reason the the one thing I want to bring up is that um, so pointers took a, a real nosedive in membership when the internet exploded. Because people didn't need these books anymore. They thought they didn't, Am I, if I'm correct with that. Well, we were, we were around up until 2013. And the and doctor passed away. The doctor passed away, and he the was founder. the one holding everything together. Yeah. So but what I are mean, you going to do? I mean, he disbanded. Sen- he couldn't do it. I mean, in the sense that I think that when, when the Internet came out, it was, oh, wow, I can find it all online, right? And what I'm saying, the benefit to your sit-down brick-and-mortar organization is you got the book. Yeah. But more important, you got the people. Yeah. And we become an isolated society. So now, you're, you know, I spent, because I'm a sick person, you all know that I need a lot of help. I spent, we had some kind of rain event in New Jersey. It was June a couple years ago. It wasn't a hurricane. It was like 24, I spent 24 hours on the computer. And I did a huge amount, I really did not get up for 24 hours. and did a huge amount of genealogical research on the Italian sites because I found one thing and I ran with it. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of pointers is people don't realize you're finding all this stuff in your basement. But the beauty of an organization is you get to share with everybody else. You find out tips. You find out things. Exactly. And you enjoy all these stories because people have all these stories about the beauty of their search because, you know, half the fun is, is, is the process. Yeah. And that's why I think that Pointers had such a great – it was a pioneer organization when genealogy first started up because when people figured out we can actually go back in our – in records and find out who our ancestors were, A. B, it brought those people together so they could share stuff. But it also created a community. Yeah, and I feel that so much of that left the bloom. Oh, I don't, I don't need a group. I can go do it myself online. And you're gonna find a lot of stuff online, but you're gonna miss the camaraderie and the fellowship and the support of other members. And that's why I think what you're doing is so integral because you, you've kept pointers going all these years. You've kept that New Jersey group. And I actually ran into a guy. I, I, I go to mass to a certain place, and he sits a few pews in front of me. Does he really? I never knew his name, and we start chit chatting and stuff. I was like, oh wow, you know. You know, I ran into you here. So that's why I think that people need to come out. If your old pointer chapters get started again, you know, br- build these groups because especially with regional things, you can help people and say, well, I found this, I found that. I got this. I, f- I bet you this is where I'm from. I bet you that's where Lodaro came from. Oh, isn't that something? Now, you got a Facebook page and stuff? Yes, we do. Italian Genealogy Society of New Jersey. And just like the page and you'll see things that I post. And uh, what I post on there, of course, is meeting notices. Good. And um, I also post things about Italian-Americans and other information of interest and use. Um, Do you know if my grandmother was alive and I had told her, I found out where your third great-grandfather was born, she told me, what do you care? They're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like we said. But but that's why I bring my point. But for those of you like me, like Maria, that love genealogy, (laughs) it's fun to do it in a group. It is. Yeah, I just wanted to... Make one other note, uh, another good source of information are naturalization papers. Yeah. Uh, you probably, maybe you could find them online now, maybe you can't, but I, fa- I, I actually went to Patterson. Wow. And I actually saw the actual documents, and I, they made copies for me of my grandfather's naturalization That's papers. So cool. Now, on those papers, you find out where he's from. Yeah. There's a physical description. It tells you the name of the ship that he came over on. It tells you his occupation. Tons and tons of information 
that is on that on those four sheets of paper because it's it's in steps. It's not just one paper. They have to apply and then they have to be approved. Is that right? This. Oh yeah, it's, it's not just one paper. That's so interesting. Usually you just see the one document, yes. but that's not it. No, there's four different paper pages. There's the oath of allegiance. Uh, there there's the declaration of intent. There's it's it's more than one page, and wow. on those pages I should have brought it with me, which I didn't. But uh, so if you find the one pager online. Like, that's what I found for my family, right? They don't, that's nothing. They'd at least tell you where to go to find the physical ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can probably go straight to, if, if it's local, like in Patterson. Yeah. Uh, I, I went straight to the office, and they were very nice. And That's amazing. They didn't huh? even charge me. They made they made copies of them. I'm going to do that now. I actually had to help my father-in-law find his because he lost his paperwork, yeah. and I found it online. I remember. Yeah, yeah, because if you go online, all you see is the final document. Wow. You don't get to see all the other information. I had no idea there was three other steps of information. Yeah, I, most people don't know that. And that's, that's why I thought tip. I should bring that up. Well, you know? <laughs> thank you for doing that. You heard it here, folks, on the Italian-American podcast. Hey, you that, we've learned something new. You ready for this? Because I'm the multi You're doing it right now. You've got him I'm so juiced right up, now. he's doing it while we talk. <laughs> this is Patrick's cocaine. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> John's cocaine is the Ernie Rossi store. <laughs> I found this lady. This Patrick's lady, cocaine uh, is genealogy. It is genealogy because yeah. I love history. What's what my cocaine? I found the lady in the That's book. Great question. I have her email address. It's it's at Juno address. Juno Alaska. Juno dot com. Oh, I don't even know what that is. That, thank you. No further I'm questions. Old. It's like That's, hot yes, that was <laughs> Juno. I don't when I remember. was in college, that was the big. Yeah, correct. Wow. Well, You're gonna find this lady. Yeah, I'm gonna track her down. Yeah, this is for uh, Patrick. I gave him some. Uh, we also, I we like I said, I published a newsletter. You do? Yes, from our group. And I usually just look for articles of interest on the Internet and, and compile them in a, a newsletter. And we, we do this electronically, but that's only for members. Okay. You have, you have to join our organization you if join you the want organization. our newsletter. I mean, All right. That's should... a benefit of newsletter, but I'm giving Patrick some of the old newsletters from when we were in You're point. You're passing me drugs, and... lady. <laughs> You're a dealer. Uh, yeah, and I'm also, I'm also giving you a list of genealogical records in the New Jersey State Archives. That's awesome. I mean, this should so. really be a show. Pat, find my family. Yes. I'm blown away. I, 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 this I, I, should I, be I, like a travel channel, is, A&E. You're right. That name is so unique, and it's very, very rare in Piano di Sorrento. And something else I found out with my genealogy was that my, I guess I'm off the top of my head, would be my third great-grandfather, um, he lost his wife, and then he got remarried. I'm from the I'm from the second line, right? And that's a whole other story. That's a whole other article about that. But um, I he that line blocks because I did not know where in Vika Quinn's they were, and it's it's the neighboring comune. And I'm sure if I had put time in, but this right now probably it's a clue. yeah, absolutely. It's a crumb. It's a crumb. So now uh, down I'm, the trail, and like you will all tell me that I'm a what is Stephanie? You know, TP ADD ADHD. And this just proves she's right. <laughs> I'm signing off. You heard it right here. Pat's off. We're off. And you got to come support Maria, support yeah, pointers. Yeah, sign up. It's really great. Sign up. We're not pointers anymore. No. The former we're the, pointers. We're the, yeah, we're the Italian Genealogy Society of New Jersey. Pointers is no more. Sadly. It was a, an international organization, and it was just like... A shame that it's no longer around because I learned a lot from just reading the the magazine that they used to put maybe out. Maybe it's time, maybe it's time for it. a resurrection. Yeah, maybe we need to digitize that magazine to a lot of resources. I mean, if, if that twenty year old clue, twenty three year old, clue I'm blown away, leads you to something. If that come, we're gonna we're gonna report back on this afterwards. Awesome. If it leads you to something, it's great. Even if it doesn't. Yeah, because you know what's going to happen now. Sicko's going to go home. Yeah, you're going to be on Sicko's this Sicko's going to go yep. on. This poor guy's going to get a phone call. Yeah, They're going to get a call in the middle of the night because you know I love to text and call people like 2 a.m. That's my, <laughs> that's, that's my yes, special time of night. Yes. I'm going to say, hello, by the way, I found the pointers. 
from 2000. And we're related. Really? Are we related? But it's all proof that what's old is often new again. This is valuable stuff that's out there. It's in books. It's in records. It's in magazines. It's in archives. It's in newsletters. It's in the minds of people like Maria. And uh, it's very, very valuable. We, we, we can't take for granted that modern technology has everything. It, it doesn't. And uh, we can fill in the gaps. And we can do it through communication like this on the Italian American podcast. So we hope you've enjoyed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano.